Love Talk Radio. <clears throat> Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Kill, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, a hot block commander. How you wanna end up one or two hours show and get the brain running with the premises talk sports on a national level? Roll with the topic, sorta like the rubber when it's game time they like the fat five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and great. The four for twenty-six tour the war in Kuwait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table, five silly guys diversified and educated. What's good, War Room family? You are once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts. I'm Dev McMillan. I'm at the round table with my brother. We've got B. Austin in the building. Uh, Jimmy the Blueprint will be with us in just a few. Look, Super Bowl 53 is come and gone, so we'll put a final bow on the final game of the NFL season. We'll also discuss the crazy events surrounding today's NBA trade, trade deadline. So make sure you keep it locked right here as we give you multiple perspectives on everything going on in sports. And if you want to get in on the conversation yourselves, make sure you sign in right now to the JW Philly Realty chat room. As usual, that's at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. Or you can join us on Facebook or Twitter at War Room Sports. You can also call us directly in about five to ten minutes when we open up the digital extreme tech hotline that number is three two three four one zero 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 one two but before we get started make sure that during the week when we're not live on the air you check out archive episodes of our show at warroomsports.com the warroom sports mobile app which is free on ios and android itunes TuneIn, stitcher spreaker google wherever you listen to podcasts we're most likely to be there what up king did you uh Happened to watch the State of the Union presidential battle rap that came on the other night. <laughs> Shout out to Nancy Pelosi Rio. Put the body bag in a body bag in a body bag. Yo, the, the crazy thing about State of the Union addresses, and this this is not, you know, this is not just Trump. This is like all presidents when they do this State of the Union. The reason I think that it seemed like a, a battle rap is because every time they think they say something that's like bars, they chill and let everybody applaud. <laughs> like, I'm like, come on, man. You didn't say nothing. Come on, so this joint went on for over 80 minutes because, you know, the narcissist himself thinks that every single half a sentence he said was super bars that needed to be applauded oh. by everybody. <laughs> Crazy man. That's your that's your president, man. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, man. Biff is the dude right now. <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta roll with Biff, whether we like it or not. I mean, they've been talking for his whole term about getting him up out of there, but to me, at this point, it's just, yeah, it's just it just seems like talk. talk. So. Yeah, so, I mean, at this point, it is what it is. It don't seem like anything's really going to be done about it. So, you know, we might just be stuck with Biff uh, for a little while. Um, 
and Skyview in the chat room tripping already. He's talking about, I got something to say. Tobias Harris is already talking like he's the star of the Sixers' FOH terrible trade. Uh, we will get to the trade deadline soon, but if you think that's a terrible trade, then you need to stop watching. Yeah, this stupid. Yeah, come on. I, I'm just. I don't care. <laughs> you think that's I don't a terrible yeah. I don't care what he says. You stupid if you think Tobias Harris is a bad trade. You got to jump. You a little. I like you. You part of the yeah. world and fan, but you stupid. He's a little stupid. That's all. <laughs> all right, we will get to that, and we'll get we'll get uh, Skyview's opinions on why he thinks that's a bad trade. Actually, you know, you can throw him in there at any point. We'll read him when we get to that part. But um, you know, a lot of things happened this week. Of course, the biggest game in sports went off on Sunday. I'm not gonna say without a hitch. A lot of people thought Super Bowl Fifty Three was a little bit boring, so we're gonna talk about it. But before we do, we just gotta let you know that you can make a whole lot of money betting on sports at my bookie. The NBA and the NHL seasons are into their second halves, so if you haven't yet checked out my bookie, this is a great time to do just that. Lay down some dough on the biggest games in sports. You could join us and thousands of other online players placing bets at mybookie.ag. You tired of getting a run around from other services when it's time for a payout? That's why we urge you to join MyBookie. You win, they pay fast without any hassles. You're wasting your time sports betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting. We haven't tried this yet, and we talk about it all the time. I don't understand how this works, but they have in-game Live betting, so you can place wagers even after the game start. Join now, and my bookie will match your first deposit with a hundred percent bonus. Just use the promo code War Room, all caps, W A R R O O M, to the spelling impaired. That'll activate this offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, get your ass paid. Period. All right. So, like I said, Super Bowl Fifty Three went down in Atlanta through all of the hoopla and the. You know, the I stand with caps and who's allowed to perform and who's not allowed to perform and all of this other stuff, there was actually a game that was played. Um, (laughs) 13 to 3 was your final score. And for the sixth time ever, and for the sixth time in the past two decades, sixth time since 2001, the New England Patriots are your Super Bowl champions. So they've pulled up on the Pittsburgh Steelers and tied them with six uh, trophies all time. Yo, the run that these dudes are on is nothing short of amazing. Shoot, the run that that city is on. We know the Patriots, they kind of represent the whole region of New England, but, you know, Boston claims all of that. So we're going to go Boston. Like, Titletown gets another one, another notch on the belt. Um, a lot of people be thought that this game was boring because it was a thirteen to three affair. What say you? Um, nah, it wasn't. It wasn't boring. I, I understand why they would. I understand why your average uh, watcher or observer—I won't call them fan—your average watcher would say it's boring because over the last generation, twenty years, everything has been legislated towards. Offense. So when you don't see an offensive outburst or explosion, uh, or even just some some mediocre offense, you think that it's a trash game or a boring game. But for those of us with a keen eye towards the strategy of the game and coaching, you can appreciate a defensive stalwart playing at their best. And this game is a testament to 
Bill Belichick. And I call him Bill Belichick because I'm into disrespect. But in all honesty, man, yo, he's the greatest coach of all time, man. And I, and and when it's no, it's nothing to take away from Brady. Like I believe maybe two of those Super Bowls fall squarely on his shoulders, but the entire New England success, man, man, ninety percent of that is Bill, man. Yo, he, yo, he's the greatest. Well, I can't. Yo, he went. He, there's no shame in Sean McVay being out coached by the greatest. He was out coached, and and I know that you have. Some some thought I may be being a pom pom prisoner at the moment. I I don't think Jared Goff is anywhere near as bad as people th- thought he was in his first season under the quarterback killer. But I don't think Jared Goff is ish, man. I I, I think he I think he's middle I, of the yeah, road. He, you're he, right. I, I don't. I disagree. I just think he wasn't ready yeah, for the moment, man. You put a third year quarterback, really a second year quarterback, when you're dealing with you know how. Jeff Fisher, yeah. his years just make you not even a quarterback. So a second-year yeah. quarterback going against Belichick in the biggest game of the season after a bye week. Y'all already know how I feel about Belichick after the bye week when he gets to study you. Um, and when we talked about keys to the game, what did I say? If you can get Gurley yeah. and C.J. Anderson out of the contest, I'm sure Belichick wants to put the hand, put the the the, the game into the hands of the young quarterback. So him having a fairly, you know, a, ba- a fairly bad game. I mean, if you look on the other side, he didn't have much of a, you know, worse game than Tom Brady himself had. Um, <laughs> but yeah, both and- of these defenses, in my opinion, balled out. But this is something that we've come to expect from a Belichick defense, even if. You know, the defense doesn't rank super high during the seasons. It's just when you give this dude too much time to game plan, he's going to make you look bad. Um, Last season, it was a whole different thing. You know, that thing turned into a shootout. They couldn't stop the ball, Nicky Foles. But, you know, I'm not saying Jared Goff is Nicky Foles yet. You and I hold Nicky Foles. We have always held Nicky Foles in a higher regard than everybody (laughs) else. People out there. Yeah. But no, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think that the young boy is done. I don't think that he's terrible he's or anything like that. I just think, you know, I don't think, I he, don't think he's good. Man. He, Yo, you just finished check. giving the you just finished giving the coach like the greatest of all time speech. So give give him some credit for for making the boy look like that. I mean, you can say that, but when have you ever since the Jeff Fisher year? When have you ever seen dude play like that? <laughs> So I, I'm uh, going to give it to the coach. Look too good for us. Look too good for us. But um, I, I don't know, man. Salute. I have to. Um, I just have to give my respects to to Belichick, man. He's he's like one of those dudes where, obviously, I'm staunchly against New England. I feel like at some at some level in some way, uh, Lucifer is involved in their success. But that may be that that Robert Kraft went to Lucifer and, and got Lucifer to give him Bill Belichick or something like that. May be what it was, but like dude, dude's defensive prowess and his game planning, yo, it's I, yo, I, I, yeah. And he got he got another defensive coordinator, a head coaching job. So now they've moved in Greg Schiano for next year. I'm gonna try to get him back on top. 
Um, Neil in the in the chat room, she says uh, it was trash. I'm assuming she's talking about the Super Bowl. Um, Scavy is the only other person in there. He's still railing on the Sixers for their trade. Like, <laughs> if you don't like your wow. team trying to get better, trying to go for it, like, I got I don't understand it. Like, is Tobias Harris not three times the player that Wilson Chandler is? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, Yo, like, what are we doing here? I, like, I like, this is I like Wilson right. Chandler. And I think Wilson Chandler no, I is a I like like Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler's a bum right now. <laughs> Holla, Wilson Chandler. E D Wilson Chandler was my man in Denver. But Wilson Chandler yeah, should be starting for any team that's expected Yo. to make a finals run right now. No, Wilson, Wilson Chandler. Chandler if Tobias Harris was that dude and came in the gym and said, Yo, I don't feel like practicing today. Yo, Wilson, go practice for me. Wilson Chandler couldn't do it. He said, y'all will see. Remember where you heard it first, terrible trade for the Sixers. Like, like, what is your re- – like, how will we see? The Sixers won't win the chip? Well, no damn shit. You got Golden State in the league. <laughs> like, like what? I don't understand. Yeah. What will we see? Are the Sixers going to lose the rest of their games after this trade? Like, nope. you're going to pick anything at the end of the season to see. See, I told y'all. All right, the Sixers went out in the second round last season. So – if they go out in the second round again, are you going to say, y'all, y'all, I told y'all? Like, nobody Wilson said Chandler that they were the best team in the East or anything like that. Out. So, I'm just I'm just curious, B, to, like, what will be, you know, what will occur where we'll say you'll see. I guess the only thing at this point where you can even, you know, pump out your chest and say, I told you so, is if they lost in the first round. Since... Yeah. You know, you're working on getting better every year. You got to the second round last year, so you at least expected to get there this year. But yeah. and he's saying, you know, there's only one ball. And and the the offense that Brett Brown runs, that's not even a problem. There's not a lot of iso ball in the offense that he runs. As a matter of fact, with the players that they had prior to this trade, you know, people were saying – you're not running enough ISO. You're not running enough pick and roll. So it doesn't matter yeah. how many balls there there are. If these dudes want to win, then they'll get it together and figure out how to play. I mean, dude is not an Uzi. If you actually did some research, because he's saying here that I know basketball, this and that, um, Tobias Harris has actually he, – he, there was a stat, something like he's been – more efficient with his scoring than even Clay Thompson. Not even efficiency. They're talking about his usage rate. So he does a lot of stuff on the catch and shoot, a lot of stuff quickly without a lot of dribbling. Like he's almost Clay Thompson like at the forward position. So I was like, you know, I, I think they took that into account when they went after who they went after. There's plenty of other people they could have gone after and you could have added a name and you could have been like, oh my God, there's only one ball to go around. But this dude scores almost like Clay Thompson from the power forward position where his usage rate is not that high for a player who's averaging 20 and, and 8 or whatever he's averaging. And he, lock, so, and he locks up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't see what the complaint can be here. I mean, if you're talking future, okay, there's no guarantee that he nor Jimmy uh, Butler are going to re-sign. If you don't re-sign them, then you'll be one of the players in free agency with a ton of money to spend, and you'll still have your cornerstone pieces and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So I really don't see how any of this 
is is terrible. We came into the season with freaking Robert Covington. And, 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 and now we got Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, and people are complaining. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Yo, I'm, I, I, I for one like the move. wasn't a great. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's a very. To me, it's a very good move. Like, I, I, I like it. I think it's going it puts to puts them in a better um, position than what they were in already. Like people yeah. talking about the bench. And with the further trade, like the bench was addressed. I think I think people people talked about the bench the, the morning after the trade, and I actually thought the bench was better the next morning than it was the night before when they were getting drubbed by Toronto again. Um, yeah. Boban Mar- Mar- Marinovic, he's no bum. If you he's no, he's only not. playing ten minutes a game in in Clipperland, but if you look at his per uh, rate, like yo if. <laughs> Dude, if he played 36 minutes a game, which, you know, he's a big 7'3 dude, probably, you know, stamina probably not there, a little slew-footed. But per 36, his averages would be something silly, like 23 points, 15 rebounds, something like that. So in 10 minutes, he's giving you like seven points and over four rebounds. Yo, that's an upgrade from who our backup center was the night before. Uh, Amir Johnson, yeah, put him back on the bench where he never gets in the game unless we absolutely need him, unless Joel Embiid is, is resting for a night and Boban starts and, and you got to put this dude in. He gave, he gave you double the production in the same amount of minutes as Amir Johnson. Um, that move, I like, I like, holding I like down the back up his original position of power forward. <laughs> I, I like Amir. I like Amir Johnson's story. But he ain't ish either. He really ain't like you could throw him out with the pathway, to be honest. I mean he's the type of dude, he's a veteran, he's not gonna make terrible mistakes, he's gonna D up and all that kind of stuff. But if you you know, you can't depend on him with the ball or anything like that. Right. Um not at all. With it with I'm going through the complaints. He also says he's not really a power forward. Um he's not Yo, really a power forward. They're gonna be Buttheads like they're gonna butt heads like Dr. J and George McGinnis. Um, I tried to tell him in the in the chat room like, if you looked at the league lately, like this is what power forward has become. Everybody talks about having a stretch four. Tobias Harris shoots forty percent from three point land. Everybody talks about having a stretch four. Yo, that's, my man, uh, that's what the they have. They have a four who can put the ball on the ground. They have a four who can shoot the three. That's what they're doing these days. Six, eight, what's six, the nine. Dude, what's the dude that came in the league for uh, uh, the Thunder? He plays in, in Toronto now. The African brother with the Ibaka, Ibaka. changed his whole hey, game. Yo, to yo, be that. Ibaka came in the league powerful and is now completely <laughs> unpowerful. He's a three. He's because, a two guard. But but, but 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 B, that's because that's because he had to adapt. That's where the league went. Ibaka would have been rotten on people's benches had he stayed the way he was, and he was a good player when they first came. I mean, shoot, he was the reason they didn't pay James Harden because they wanted to pay him. But somewhere during that time span is when the league adapted to where everybody had to have a stretch four. Draymond Green, like 6'7". He, he can barely shoot, but he can he can control the offense as well. So he brings other things to the table. Like, I I don't know. I, I don't get the criticism on this one. I'm not saying, oh, we got Tobias, we're going to win the chip. I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm trying to Yo. see 
where it's going to be, where he's going to say, no. you no, heard it here I'm first. A, you heard what here first? Are Sixers not making the I'm playoffs now? Like, like I'm stop, hedging, stop hedging your bet, Skyview. Tell us exactly get, what we heard here first. I'm going to get Frankenstein with it, and you can even go and mix match the lineups and go Monstar Ball, put Boban at the five, put Embiid at the four because he wants to be there anyway, Tobias at the three, Jimmy, I ain't taking Jimmy off the floor. And then you got a 6'9 point guard. Yo, come on, man. Oh, no, he, he, has all kinds of, he has all kinds of lineups now. I mean, the coach all season, if you listen to Sixers fans while they're watching these games, when he tries to experiment with lineups, they're like, yo, what the hell is this? What is this lineup? Now he has four viable starters, five viable starters that can, that can score the ball. J.J., everybody can probably handle the ball except for J.J., but you have it now where you can have at least, of the quote-unquote big four, you can have at least two of these dudes on the floor at all times, where you didn't have that before. We had lineups where, you know, Joel would go out of the game, you know, Joel and Jimmy, and then it would have to be, you know, Sim- Simmons in there trying to hold it down by himself. It worked sometimes. Most of the times it didn't. I, I, I don't understand how any Sixers fan can not like this trade. It's not the greatest thing they've ever done, but the only reason we're even talking about it right now is because Skyview started the show in big letters in the chat room like, this is a terrible trade. Okay. I'm still waiting on his answer for we'll see, though. Like, what are we going to see? Because you can't hedge your bet on that. you got to tell us exactly what what we heard first. Are you saying they're not going to make the playoffs? Are you saying they're going out in the first round? Like, you know, are you saying that, you know, Tobias Harris is going to murk himself in practice? Like, what are, what are, what are, we, what are we seeing here first? All right. Anyway, back to the, to the Super Bowl real quick. We'll get back to basketball, and we, we, we'll get to the phone line soon as well. Um, so, yeah, the Patriots go full circle. Their dynasty has gone full circle. 2001, they started this with a win against the Rams. 2019. You know, I'm not. I don't know if it ends, but you know, at this point, they're back to the Rams on their sixth uh, championship. Um, yeah, kudos to both defenses because we talked about Belichick and what what the Patriots were able to do to um, Jared Goff and the team on the other side, but it was the same thing pretty much for the New England Patriots. They just got something going late where they were able to get down to the two-yard line to get an easy rushing touchdown. Um, Tom Brady finished the game 21 for 35, 262 yards, and an interception. No touchdowns thrown. Um, If you go to the other side, Jared Goff was 19 for 38, 229 yards, and an interception. So the quarterbacks damn near had identical games. Um, where the game probably was won offensively for uh, the Patriots, they were able to get something going on the ground with Sony Michelle hitting them for 18 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. Rex Burkhead, seven carries, 43 yards. Um, Edelman even chipped in one carry for eight yards. Um, but speaking of Julian Edelman, he was the MVP of the game. So there was a little bit of chatter prior to the game because people were talking about and talking heads were talking about how well Julian Edelman plays in their playoff runs. 
the chatter got even louder after the game, after he, you know, 10 receptions, 141 yards, and a Super Bowl MVP to add on his belt. People are asking if Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. So we're going to talk about this for two minutes, and I think hang tight, Tobias, because this is exactly where we're going to let you in because we want to get your opinion on whether or not Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. So, of course, we got to go into our long lived segment, HOF or FOH. If you don't know what that means, then figure it out. But here we go. Julian Edelman. Let me read you his numbers, because everything has to start with numbers, but there's a whole eye test to all of this. But we have to start with numbers. Julian Edelman, his regular season statistics, 499 receptions, 5,390 yards, 30 touchdowns. Um, Yeah. Uh, Let's go to his playoff numbers, where everybody says he makes his money. (laughs) All right, in the playoffs, 26 receptions. And he had 14 of them in the Super Bowl to just pass. 388 yards. Does that is that? Oh, five touchdowns for and and this is a eight, this is 18 game playoff career. So um, I'm sorry, I was going off. I was going off this particular playoff. Um, he had 26 receptions in this playoff. His total numbers: 115 receptions, 1,412 yards. Five touchdowns, um, his long being a, a 48-yard reception. Now, people say Julian Edelman is one of the best postseason wide receivers they've ever seen. B. Austin, HOF or FOH? GTFOH immediately. <laughs> and if I have to use the word, I'm okay with that. Yo. He's a good and I and I emphasize he's a good little player. He's a good little player. He's a starter on a lot of teams, not a starter on all teams. Um if you're going to have this conversation, the question probably should be is Wes Welker a Hall of Famer? Because if you look at Wes's numbers, Wes, yo, Wes's numbers are, 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 I think, significantly better than Julian Edelman's. They are. And the ironic part about what you're saying, B, is, you know, Wes Welker has started this new age thing of the, the smaller white slot receivers go across the middle, uh, the hitting, the catch smart. a two-yard, you know, two-yard slant, get you ten. Move the chains, but the the fact that you bring him up, the most ironic part about it is he had the most success doing this in a New England Patriot uniform. So I don't necessarily know if Julian Edelman is that great versus the fact that the Patriots scheme utilizes these little quick, you know, small white boy receivers that go across the middle and do what they do. Before Edelman, it was Wes Welker. 
when Edelman's out for a season on injury or when he's chilling with, you know, PED suspensions and things of that nature. You had Danny Amendola, who's the the worst of the three, but still was successful in doing some of the same things. And it's then funny, you have Edelman. It's and I'm not taking anything away from Edelman because Edelman, I think Edelman's a baller. I think Wes Walker's a baller. But this Hall of Fame thing, people are getting – Way yeah. out of line with this. It's, it's easy. It's easy, and we'll just set the criteria. I'll set the criteria for our listeners. Listen, the Hall of Fame, when it comes to us, and, and, and I'm sure Dev will have no problem chiming in if, if he disagrees, we start with the numbers, right? So are your numbers so dominant that they just pop out? Like, you know, your top three number-wise at your position – uh, or you were ever sustain. near the best receiver in the league sustain. during your tenure. That's the, next, <laughs> that's the next criteria. The next criteria would be after numbers, from even an eye test perspective, are you top one, two, three at your position for a sustained period of time? I'm talking more than five years. That's criteria number two. Criteria number three which yeah, perhaps, The question for him is, has he ever been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? For any year. Has he ever been in the top ten? Has he ever been in the top ten of his position? Number three is can you tell the story of the league with or without and, and when you tell that story, do you have to include him? Now that's where it gets a little you could make a false a non sequitur argument, well he's won Super Bowls and he got an MVP. Okay, well, you gotta mention that. But you can tell the story but of so NFL did Welker football. and so did Amendola on the so, same team. Right. And it's funny that Amendola is the worst out of the, the three because Amendola is the best athlete out of the three, on on paper anyway. He had, like, the, the best underwear Olympics as, as that Fred, Fred would probably be able to talk a little bit more about that um, than the other two, but ended up being the worst because he got injured every five minutes. I, I'm, Speaking I'm, of Fred, Fred is the only person that we know personally that said Julian Edelman will be – in the Hall of Fame, um, oh my god, oh my and, god. and should be in the Hall of Fame, but oh my we god. all know that Fred's uh, a Patriots fan, so he he definitely was a homer about this whole topic. This problem, <laughs> you know, problem I have with these type of discussions, it opens up the conversation for other things that shouldn't happen. And it started with your man smiling, Joe Dumars. It's like if you put a guy like that in who has good statistics certainly not great. Then you start looking at other cats, and you're like, damn. It didn't even oh. start with him, though. I mean, you can think back to, you know, Joe Namath in, in, in this very sport. Oh. But this is what, yeah. when, when Fred and I argued the other day on Cover 2, this is what he did. He gave me uh, 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 an anonymous player's numbers, and they were very similar to his. First of all, Fred forgets who he's arguing with sometimes. So my very first question was, okay, when did this person play? He started exactly. to say, 1970, I don't even let him finish. Boom, there you go. It's a whole different game. You can get into the Hall of Fame <laughs> these days. I mean, you can get into the Hall of Fame in, in the 1970s with these kind of numbers and some Super Bowls. The player that he was talking about was Lynn Swan. We talked about Lynn Swan before. I don't personally yeah. think Lynn Swan should be in the Hall of Fame. I think Lynn Swan was – known for doing more spectacular stuff rather than being just one of the straight-up best receivers in the league. Yo, and that, yo, but that's my you know personal what? opinion. Yeah. 
But Maybe even back then, you could make an argument for somebody with those kind of numbers. So I'm like, Fred, don't do you, come at me with the poop butt you, arguments, man. <laughs> do you remember the guy, uh, his first name was Brandon. He played for the Niners, and he was nice with the athletic catches. He He was good for like four or five tremendous catches per season. But he was never a sustained good receiver. Brandon Lloyd. Brandon, Brandon Lloyd. Lloyd. Lee he Kwan had hands. He had hands. He had speed, but he never was top ten at the. That's who Lynn Swan kind of reminded me of. To bring it back to your your man, uh, uh, but he's but he's, Brand, but he's Brandon Lloyd with championships, and and he's Brandon Lloyd with signature moments. That yeah, that goes yeah. a lot in the brain of a fan. Signature moments, and that's why mm-hmm. Lynn Swan is in there. But but Edelman like. Come on, man. Yeah. When, when Edelman Edelman gets more targets, and it's because of where he lines up, Edelman gets so many targets. And, and I will give him this. He has to be an intelligent player. He's a former quarterback. And those, those slot position receivers, position, particularly in New England, get the, the ability to run option routes, which means they decide where they're going to go on the field based on the coverage and based on the, 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 the timing and based on situation. So it's like the, the quarterback just says, here's, here's where I want you to line up, and here's the option you get to run. You have three routes. You, you make the decision, and I'm throwing the ball. So they have to and see the out, same thing pre-snap. Shout out to Casey Mack, 38, in the War Room Sports Game Time group. He said, don't the performance-enhancing allegations ding him a little? No, the no. fact that he has 30 career NFL touchdowns ding him a little. The fact that he only has 5,000 yards ding him a little. The f- Yo, he is not a Hall of Famer. He's nowhere near it. You know what he is, yeah. B? You know what this dude is? I got it. Mm. I got it. Listen to this. This ball is Robert Ory. Ory Julian yeah. Edelman is Robert Ory. He's going to... And and it, and it's a little bit different because where Robert Ory might hit a big shot, Julian Edelman might have a decent playoff game, and and he might you know once in a while make a big catch in the playoffs. So his, his playoff numbers and his playoff performances are way better than his regular season performances. But he's Robert Ory in the sense that all of these shots that have become legend for Robert Ory. Because, you know, the farther you get away from something, the more, you know, the legend grows and people start revising history and all of that kind of stuff. All of the shots, and I've asked people this every time this dude's name has come up and people try to make a case for Robert Roy to the Hall of Fame. No one can name me a shot that he hit that basically either closed out a series, maybe saved a series. The one that I could think of was the one um, against the Kings in the Western Conference Finals with, like, .4 left. I think that went a big way. But that, that, series, that series still went seven games. So it's like, okay, maybe you gave them a win, whereas they lost that game, you know, the Kings might have just had them on the ropes. But you never know that still because this team still had Kobe and Shaq on it. So that's the only one I'm giving them. All the rest of them may have been big in the moment, and the fact that it was in the playoffs has made it way bigger. Like, he hit a big shot against the Sixers in the, in the, in the finals. That damn series yeah. was five games. 
If he doesn't hit that <laughs> shot, they still smack the Sixers. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of these shots that he gets credit for didn't bail them out, didn't mm-hmm. save them. I like, they were just big I, because I like, it was in a playoff game. <laughs> I like Julian Edelman as well. I love the, the intelligence, the headiness, the, the moxie. I, I love all that stuff. I, I do. I, I I like the I like the slot position receiver. This is gonna be a this is gonna be funny. I like it because I can relate to it. And here's here's how. Some of the things that you see the monsters do that line up on the outside, i.e. Julio, i.e. Beckham, i.e. AJ, AJ, i.e. you know Mike Evans. Those guys. What they do is physically in impossibility. Like, that's what they do. Outside the numbers, they kill you, and that you have to be a monster athletically to play there. What Julian Edelman does, you have to have some quick twitch ability, change of direction, key, but you have to be smart. You have to be smart, and you can't be a coward. And, right. and, and we all... Which is why I give him props for being a baller, but he's not nowhere near a Hall of Famer. A lot of times he's lined up against he's lined up against linebackers, and so that's automatically a mismatch because a two hundred and fifty pound, six foot two man can't stay with someone that's five five ten and one ninety five. They just can't. That that's not possible, no matter what the straight line speed is. And a lot of times those linebackers are as fast, if not faster, straight line, but they, they don't have the hips to turn with him. So well, he listen, has a mismatch and advantage. Put him yeah, outside the numbers. You're way too deep with the X's and O's for for West, for uh, Julian Edelman. Um, Casey Mack said the NFL is looking to put a white receiver in the Hall of Fame. I mean, they got some. You got Steve Largent. I believe you got, like, Fred Blitnick. I mean, you got plenty from back in the day, Right. But even if what he's saying is true, like for right now, he ain't if the that's guy. even he true, if you're going to do that for somebody, Wes Welker has seasons where he had 112 catches, 111 catches, 123 catches, 122 catches, 118 catches. Damn, all done. What? All done with the New England Patriots. If you're putting, if you're making this a, a, a white thing and you're putting one of them in the Hall of Fame, that's easy. That's easy, and he has, you know, titles with the Patriots, too. He has Super Bowls as well. Now we go yeah. over to Edelman. He has one season, 2013, where he had over 100 catches. He had 105 catches in 2013. That's it. He got a 92, a 61, a, 60, a 98, and a 74. And, like, and, his and numbers aren't even close to Wes Welker's numbers, but it's like out of sight, out of mind, prisoner of the moment. Like, there is no Julian Edelman without Wes Welker. And he, even only, and when we say that, usually the second dude comes in and takes it to a 2.0 level where he's better. Welker's numbers dwarf this dude. Yo, and, and not, only do, not only do they dwarf him, but from an injury perspective, Edelman is a little injury prone. I think he's only played 16 games once. Well, yeah, and, you know, Welker scrambled his brains. You know, I'm sure Welker has CTE. But that's a whole different story. That's another he reason he should get in. He done fried his brains for this game, man. He got the love. <laughs> if I, if we're going to go with anybody, like, that's that's who, you know, I'm, we're going to ask the, the public about that soon. But let me get to the to the phone lines real quick because I know Tobias got some stuff he want to get off his chest, but we got to ask him real quick. 
What up, Tobias? Real quick, Julian Edelman, HOF or FOH? Put it like this. I can't say it on your airway because FCC airways. Hell no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Hell, Dion Branch put up better numbers than him. Okay, exactly. And that's true. And, and they both got a Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, where's the case And there? here's the thing also. Come on, people are tripping. You know, because the playoffs, it is hard to make a championship game. The best players in the history of the sports have not made a championship game. I don't think Ernie Banks from the Cubs, late Ernie Banks, even made the playoffs. He's one of the best baseball players ever. Warren Moon was one of the, like one of the best quarterbacks in the game when he played, but never made a Super Bowl. Does that mean he didn't deserve to make the Hall of Fame? Elliman yeah. just hopped on the right situation. That's what I'm saying, but yeah. like especially in this sport, because Fred kept arguing. The first thing was like, he like y'all looking at numbers. He got three rings. I'm like, come on, flip that dog. This is not the sport to be trying to make that argument, especially it's if you're hard. not a quarterback. If you are not a quarterback, this is not the sport to make that argument. Receiver, and he's agreed with this assessment plenty of times. Wide receiver might be not only the most dependent position in football, it might be the most dependent position in pro sports, because in in sports period, because you could be as good as you want to be as a wide receiver. You could be a beast. But if you don't have anybody throwing you the ball, then it doesn't mean anything. Hey. Ask my man Fitzgerald on how many years he done crapped away over in <laughs> over in uh, Arizona. Arizona. Baby. Hey. You know what I'm saying? And, and, like there was a part in the middle of his career where they couldn't get this man a quarterback, and everybody he thought he was five. old and fell off. That's what I'm saying. They thought he was old and fell off way before he really did. He Then he got, you know, like a Carson Palmer, some better quarterback, and, and here's Larry Fitzgerald again. Up there around the hundreds, right. making big catches and all that kind of stuff. Yo, it doesn't matter if you don't have anybody throwing you the ball. Like, come on, Adam. Hey, yeah. You my I man. Say the thing about Brandon. Yeah, hey, I can say the same thing about Brandon Cooks watching Darren and Hair like Jared Goff throwing throwing <laughs> those wounded ducks yesterday. Dude, scared of pressure. Dude was seeing ghosts. Yeah, but um, I mean that's the thing. But when 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 golf is good, when they were balling in the regular season, they look like a hell of a combination. When golf is playing like trash truck juice, like he did in the Super Bowl, Cook becomes, you know, Bruh, he becomes a normal. We dude. gotta be honest. We gotta be honest. We gotta be honest about Jared Goff. People like him, so he's a nice kid. Probably has came from a good family. But that, after that Chiefs game, a friend someone said he threw for only seven touchdowns, eight picks after that game. And uh, I think he's a good player. He's not as good as everybody makes him out to be. That's okay. He got a coach. And the one thing about McVay, I hope the Bengals are happy they hired his good back coach. Uh, <laughs> you no, know, but because, uh, I agree. Like, you know, B said he was trash. I don't think he's trash. I think he's a good player. But He's not there about yeah. making him out to be. But that's the thing. The first, you know, prisoners of the moment. The first year you play for Fisher, you're a bust. Second year you play for McVay and you come out and you actually look like you deserve to be a top, you know, the, the number one pick, maybe number two pick, and now everybody's overstating what you are. So now we come down to somewhere in the middle, <laughs> and after you know a bad a bad Super Bowl game and maybe a mediocre end to the season, you know, people back to oh he's trash. And like it's it's just too, it, it, <laughs> I don't know, man. Everybody's on you know either I, end I, of the I, spectrum I, too I, much for me. I'll say this: I touch on the NBA real quick. 
Jared Goff, the problem with him is like a lot of these young quarterbacks and some of these spread offense where they look at a, like a bulletin board at a, at the, uh, on the sideline a coach read the plays for him. Jared Goff can't read a defense. And that and that was his Achilles heel, and Belichick took advantage of it because McVay was doing all the reading for him. McVay used to talk until the clock ran out in the headset. And so that is Goff's next development. But when it's about the NBA, uh, I heard you guys mm-hmm. talking about Tobias Harris. I thought the Sixers could have got a marriage. But at the same time, you got to go for it. And, like, who knows? Maybe say, who the hell's going to max out Tobias Harris anyway? <laughs> That's the thing I want to know. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Maybe he'll like it there, and maybe he'll come down on what people are months, expecting yeah. him to ask for. But he's never asked for that yet. I think people no, think and, because and like, he's having a great season and made the Clippers relevant this season that they're automatically going to give him a max contract because Charles Barkley and them be jocking him on TV all the time. That, that Charles Barkley don't get you paid. <laughs> Chuck don't get you paid. <laughs> Here's the thing also. The Warriors aren't going to be around forever. Everybody got to stop being scared of Golden State. The bench is old. Steph is already over 30. Uh, he has no weak ankles. Clay, you make him dribble, you got him. And Durant's going to bounce, and, and we leave, and we can leave Draymond open at the Y. So I think everybody's got to build the team for themselves and just go for it. But i say this about the Lakers real quick. I know people, if you remotely criticize LeBron and Clutch Sports, people think you're a hater. Here's the problem. Yeah, they um, untouchable. Here's the problem. It's like, dude. Can we just wait till the off season? Because you mess up Anthony Davis' name, and they're never going to trade him anyway. But the but the problem is that the Pelicans are run by football people. You know, the NFL don't dictate terms no, no, um, to the ownership of football. And and I, and I think the problem is that one, the team need to move to Seattle. The Pelicans did mess up when they didn't when they signed when they didn't bring back Boogie and Rondo. But Davis was going to leave anyway. But at the end of the day. Yeah, They're doing the right thing by waiting until the offseason. Yeah, I mean, because in yeah. the offseason, you're going to still have some leverage and you're going to get – you're probably going to get a good offer from the Celtics and you don't have to deal with the Lakers if you don't want to. Because we're going to talk about that a little later as well. That was definitely personal because the Lakers actually tried to, you know, offer them their whole damn team except for LeBron, and they still turned it down. So they never had – it was a troll move the whole time. They never had – any <laughs> intention of trading him. Maybe Greg Popovich got to him when he told him, like, look, man, let's stop helping this team get better and win titles. But um, <laughs> You know the problem? Pop out there hating. Yeah, and here's the other thing. What if they don't get anybody out there, L.A.? Everybody said, well, we'll come in here and then we'll get somebody. What if you don't? And, uh, and it's no knock against LeBron or anything because everybody has to do what's best for them. Maybe it's not best for them to be out there. Maybe they want to carve their own niche somewhere else. Because, and it's, I'm not saying it's LeBron's fault here, but when you're on his team, he gets all the credit, you get all the blame. And, uh, and, and, and why would the Pelicans take on these players who stunk when LeBron was out? Everybody kept saying these guys stunk all year, but now they're supposed to sit here and be happy to take these guys? They're doing that due diligence and looking at all offers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about your, your Bulls 
Number eight, they got you. Otto they got Porter. your man, Fat Barry, I, out of town. I thought Otto Porter was in China, but uh, but anyway, <laughs> not with all that damn money he makes. Otto Porter about to make almost thirty <laughs> next year. <laughs> but that's all I got. But hey, I gotta get back out of here at the job. But I'll holler back at you guys though. All right, man. Peace. Yeah, I don't out there making. I don't out there making superstar money. Otto Porter averaged like he averaged like twelve and six, and he he gets like twenty six, twenty eight million dollars next season. Listen, I I hate that I never have anything positive to say about Otto Porter because I don't think he's trash or terrible. But yo, the amount of money that that they gave him, I can't help. But say bad things. He's not. He's a role-playing floor stretcher. Yeah. He can shoot the three. He's, that's <laughs> but that's like with every. That's, that's what I was trying to explain earlier in the show. Like that's everybody's role these days. That's what keeps you in the league. Obviously today, that's what's getting people paid because you average twelve points and six boards, but you can stretch the floor. Teams are salivating over that kind of stuff with this new analytical ball. Um, yeah, they gave my your man, man Tobias Harris, Harris is shooting. Not a, he's shooting forty percent from three, but forty-two percent of his shots are from three-point land. Like you hey. compare that to Clay, forty-six percent of his shots are three-pointers. Like so, the dude is a stretch four in today's game. Like you could be yeah. anywhere from six-eight to seven foot, and you're a power forward, and you don't even have to be powerful as B. Austin likes to say. There's a lot of unpowerful power forwards. It is not the same position as we're used to. So some people got to get over that. It's not the same position. You know, it's not your it's not your dad's, granddad's, or great-granddad's power forward. Ain't nothing powerful about the power forward anymore. Stretch four is the word. They might as well just change the name of it. Instead of saying power forward, they should just say point guard, shooting guards, Small forward, stretch forward, and center. Even the center, yeah. stretch centers these days. So it's a Yo. new game, bruh. Yo, I new mean, game. what's your take? The, the three point, the three pointer, uh, is doing what to the game? You said the three, the three pointer. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's ruining the game a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people that disagree with that. But I watch a lot of basketball where the ugliest thing in basketball is when a team is struggling from the arc because nobody stops. Because analytics tell you, well, if you hit threes in comparison to twos, then it's easier to catch up. It's easier to build leads, this and that. So even if you're struggling from three, even if the three is what got you in a hole, people are not going to stop you. The ugliest thing in basketball is a team it, 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 from I, three-point line. I, I agree. I agree totally, and it's one of the things. Shout out to, to, to Tobias because he brings it up frequently. Like, when you look at Golden State, as well adept as, as they are at, at shooting threes, greatest shooters of all time When you on one team when you look at Steph, Clay, and, and Durant. But those guys get to the rack. And their mid-range is developed when they need it. But it's like you have teams like Houston. Yo, Houston won't stop. That, that's yeah, they the shot like 72 threes in a game this year, man. I'm waiting Yo, for a game do. where they don't shoot any twos. It's just threes and foul yeah. shots. 
And you know yeah. what else threes are doing, B? Because it's actually impressive. The number, it, not even impressive. It's frustrating, especially when you're, you know, you're watching your own team. It's frustrating how just any bum can hit threes these days because it's making the specialists of the past. It's pushing like the Reggie Millers and the Steve Kerr's and the Dale Ellis's and those guys. It's just pushing them into like, oh, these dudes really wasn't Jack. Like we got bums who are shooting threes, three, you know, at a higher clip shooting more threes. And it's, it's weird. Like it's become, it, it started as a specialist thing. And now, Everybody on the court damn near is required to be able to do it because it's what coaches and analytic dudes want you to do. Um, If you look at the game on a younger level, I go to games from five years old to high school, any gym I walk into, if if the coach isn't on the floor yet and, you know, forcing people to do layup drills, every single player is out of the three-point line shooting air balls, shooting bricks, because people are trying to shoot so far out because of what they see on TV before they even develop that in their game. And that's yeah. why, like, yeah. my son, I don't even let him do that. I don't let him shoot yeah. anywhere past what, what messes where, up his form. If you're out of your form, then you're shooting too far. It, huh? it, it, it's bad. It's bad. And, I, 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 you know, we're both sports dads, um, and I, I watch mine. Now he can he can he can shoot it. I, I will say I'm kind of I'm kind of proud of him. I worked I worked with him from a young age. Yeah, you get but to a my certain problem, age and a certain my, strength. You know, you can hit yeah. it. Yeah, no, he he got it. He's got a nice stroke, nice range. Uh, we're working with keeping certain things. You know, instead of pushing the ball, keeping that forearm straight up and flicking. We're doing all that. My problem with him is he's left to his own devices, he wouldn't know what a mid-range shot is. So right. I will actually say to him, yo, listen, you're working out. From now, from now on, listen, you took your threes for the day. Everything, I need everything from 12 to, 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 to 15 feet. That's it. That's right. all you get. And let, no, no, no more of that bull. Oh, I'm about <laughs> No more of that. <laughs> because you, you, you will stand out there and just hurl and it's like, that's not what the game is. You have to have some diversity in your game. And guys that score 25 a game have a mid-range game. And that's, you know, so it, 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 it's funny, man. I think it's, I think it's bad for the game, and it's definitely bad for development because, like you say, the AAU circuit, the kids that are watching the game, they're imitating the pros. And it's horrible because some of you bums can't shoot. And you wouldn't have to be bums if you worked on other aspects of the game. Right, because there's a whole lot of ways to impact the basketball game. Um, That's why, you know, when people still want to – all they talk about when you bring up uh, Ben Simmons is the low-hanging fruit. Oh, he can't shoot. But the dude does so much more. Like, people forget that defense is a part of a game. (laughs) Like, this dude can get you a triple-double damn near nightly and then lock up on the other side, and all people want to talk about is he can't shoot. Like, that's lazy basketball analysis to me. I feel feel bad when when C.J. McCollum gave up. No, I don't think he gave up entirely, but he gave up on the mid-range. There was a time when he took pride in being the mid-range monster. 
Now yeah, he just even talked trash about it. Even talked yeah, trash about it when they tried to, to give it to somebody else. He like, nah, son, now that's he, me. Now he the chucker. And he yeah, we try to give like, it. Oh. We, we try to give it to DeRozan and CJ. We're like, nah, that's my thing, and then never shot one again. Real quick, man, I just want to talk briefly because we, of course, we late now um, about this Nick Foles situation. Uh, Eagles had a plan. Um, their plan was to pick up the twenty million dollar option on Nick Foles. Um, they knew that he was going to buy his way out of that option because all he had to do was give the team back $2 million um, to buy himself out of that option. After that, the team was going to franchise tag him at $25 million and then shop him for a trade. Plan sound good enough, sounded smart enough until a little wrinkle came out, I believe it was yesterday, when somebody looked looked it up and realized the plan that they have about uh, franchising him and trading him might go against the CBA. Now, a team is fully in within their rights to do that, to franchise you and trade you, but when they franchise you, they have to have every intention of employing you, and then if some things don't work out, a trade may occur. But since the Eagles' plan was out there in the public and we knew that there was no way that they were really going to go into the season and pay Nick Foles 20 or $25 million um, with the option or the franchise, now some eyebrows are being raised, and it's giving Nick Foles a little more leverage if he wants it. Now, I'm reading these articles, and they're telling him how you know he needs to step up and do this and do that, but I'm thinking about Nick Foles and how much he loves this franchise and loves this city. Like, I'm sitting here like, is it just me or because I personally thought Nick Foles was down with the plan the whole time, you know what I'm saying? But you know these articles are coming out telling him how he needs to fight this and all of that kind of stuff, and and that's not a way to treat your person who won you your only Super Bowl. But I'm like, I thought this was a plan for both sides, um, personally. But you know you never really get to hear the players speak on this kind of stuff, and you won't in public in the media. But to my understanding, I thought it was just the plan, and he was cool with getting franchised and getting traded because it would get the Eagles a draft pick now versus him just walking on the free market and getting them a compensatory draft pick later on. So it's gotten it's gotten crazy. I heard that the Dolphins um, might be the biggest suitor for his services. Um, didn't we get the <laughs> Dolphins before, though, with, with like A.J. Okay. Feely? <laughs> I I think that he really should be headed to Jacksonville. Um, that's the that's the real fit. Like that put them over the top somewhere um, that I, does, you know. So he don't so he can help and and they don't further waste that defense that they have. Right, right. Um, I I have mixed emotions about this. Obviously, objectively. Um, you know, we got to report it. We got to, we got to look at the options and what could happen, what should happen, what will happen. As an Eagles fan, I don't want Nick Foles to go, but I also want him to get everything he's due for winning a Super Bowl. I would like a team to pick him up and pay him $30 million a seat. 
like to five years. Like I, I you got me in Super Bowl. I want everything good to come your way that you deserve, young man. Everything. So I'm cool if he leaves and the situation is where someone wants to make him their franchise starting quarterback. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I still, like you, I believe in Carson Wentz. Like, I believe that Carson Wentz can be the future. I believe the talent is there. I believe there's something that happens with young quarterbacks when they're injured, right? So your rookie to your sophomore, your sophomore to your your third year, and, and to a lesser degree, your third year to your fourth, it's almost like you're a baby and your brain is expanding exponentially to the NFL game. When you're injured and you have to focus on rehab, it does something to inhibit your brain's growth with what you see at the quarterback position. So you have a regression. And that's what happened to Nick Foles with the eye test. He wasn't in OTAs putting in work. I mean, yeah, Carson Wentz wasn't in OTAs and, 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 and preseason putting in work with the eyes and the, and, the, and the playbook and getting on the same page. And he but was you know rehabbing. what he was doing, B? You know what he was doing? He was rushing back because his he backup just won the damn Super Bowl. Because <laughs> his backup hurry. just won the damn Super Bowl. Right. So he like, so, I, I got to get my and, and, and to a greater extent, well, this is what we saw with your man Norbit down in D.C. when he was injured never had the opportunity to work and develop into what he wanted to be because he was looking over his shoulder and rushing his way and rushing his way back. So I, I want Carson to have an opportunity to develop into everything we think that he can be. I, I want to see that. I want that to happen for him. And I think Mick Foles just naturally will inhibit that. I don't care how, great their relationship is and it looks genuine. I think those two dudes are friends. I think they do help one another. But it's only natural. Nick Foles wants to be the starter. I mean, um yeah. Nick Foles wants to be the starter. Carson Wentz wants to be the starter. It's only it's only natural. So I, I do think Nick gotta go in order for Carson to develop. Um and if that happens then hey, Nick Foles, get your money little duffel bag boy. Like yeah, I mean, he's he definitely, he definitely gone. Um, I appreciate everything he's ever done for us, especially, and, and I think he's especially the fact spot. that he made us right. That's the biggest yeah. thing I appreciate <laughs> from my man. That is the biggest thing I appreciate. He, he, Yo, he allowed us to, to troll back in the conversations from like eight, nine years ago and, and, and hit people with the, I tried to tell you. <laughs> I tried to tell you. I think that, that he could have a perpetual roster spot if he goes somewhere and he's super successful and he wants to retire an eagle. Hey, come on back home. We we got a roster spot for you. If it fails in the midst and he turns into a buster, a bu- yo, we, we got a roster spot for you. You good? You good in the uh, city of Philadelphia, no matter what. Skyview said, back to that mid-range, he says Sean Livingston is the mid-range king. Skyview. Um, no, 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 that's, no, that's not a, like, like, Skyview, come on, man. <laughs> I'm not saying Sean Livingston's not a good mid-range shooter, but how could you be the mid-range king when you average four points a game? 
<laughs> like, do, yo, DeMar DeRozan averaged 27 points a game two seasons ago and shot one and a half three-pointers per game. Yeah. Like, like, like no, there's there really not much of a question. <laughs> what you what you what you meant because to say what is Sean Livingston probably is, you know, minutes notwithstanding, he probably Very is the best back, I mean, uh, back to the he's probably the best back to the basket guard in the league, but he doesn't start enough. He doesn't get enough minutes to be mid range king or anything. It could he if he started, probably, but at this age he'd probably wear that knee out if he played more than 25 minutes a game. So he, he he is what he is. I I understand where you're coming from, uh, Skyview, but nah, he don't he don't get enough clock. To be anybody's nigga. All right, so let's go to the stat of the week, and that's also Nick Foles related. Just want to let everybody know out there that Nick Foles is still the last quarterback to throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl. My man. That's our stat of the week, man. Nick Foles, that dude, man. He that dude. And I just need to let y'all know that y'all can check out the website at warroomsports.com. You know the drill. If you want to speak with us about any of today's topics, and after we get some quick grind topics out the way, we're going to go into this this, uh, trade deadline frenzy in the NBA. But y'all can dial the Digital Extreme Tech hotline at numbers 323-410-0012. Press 1 when prompted. If you're already listening from your phone, just press 1 if you want to talk. So while y'all are on the grind, it's brought to you by Sports the Book. And I hope you've gotten this by now. I'm pretty sure, you know, there's a lot of new listeners out there. Y'all might not know what we're talking about. But if you guys are tired of reading the same old sports books, With the same lists, rankings, imaginary starting lineups, all sorts of subjective information that people try to pass off as facts these days, be sure to pick up your copy of Sports. It's an acronym, people, so stay with me. Smart people only read the sports. Now, you say that to yourself, and you go back and spell the word sports, and it'll hit you. It's a mixture of sports and hip-hop culture to keep you on the edge of your seat and keep you laughing like you're watching a comedy special. Just go to sportsthebook.com or get your copy from our website at warroomsports.com, wherever you get it. Just make sure that you do not miss that movement. All right, so while you guys were on the grind, this is what happened this week. Maya Moore, WNBA superstar Maya Moore, she's decided that she's not playing professional ball in 2019. Uh, she, She wrote an article in the Players' Tribune. So if you guys want to go take a look at that, you can. But here's an excerpt from it. She says, my focus in 2019 will not be on professional basketball, but will instead be on the people in my family as well as on investing my time in some ministry dreams that have been stirring in my heart for many years. I will certainly miss the day-to-day relationships with my teammates and basketball family this season, but my no for the 2019 pro season allows me to say yes to my family and faith family like I've never had before. I don't know what that means. They should have edited that. I'm sure this year will be hard in ways that I don't even know yet, but it will also be rewarding in ways I've yet to see too. So what it sounds like to me is WNBA ain't paying enough. <laughs> Let me step to the side. <laughs> 
and go make some more money somewhere else. Oh, that's what I got I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with. I salute any and everybody who has the the courage to step up and pursue their dreams and do what their heart desires and their mind tells them to. So salute to her. Um, I don't necessarily get the money. Thing. She is one of the few players that probably commanded a reasonable size check. Um, a reasonable size check in the WNBA plus. The fact that the season is only three, I think three, three and a half months. She played in somewhere in Europe in a in a country that we don't know about in front of fans we can't imagine and got more money over there than in the W. So she's making money from basketball. I'm wondering, is this a retirement or is this just a sabbatical? Like what what is it that you're that you're doing here? What are we doing? Is is basketball done? Have we seen Maya uh Maya Moore lace them up for the last time professionally? I, or I, I guess that question could be answered. It de- it depends on how good of a year she has doing what she's about to do with her ministry and <laughs> and all of the stuff. You know, <laughs> My man said she's going to get that check from the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't trying to be a target for the, like the, the Me Too, Time's Up movement, but she probably is pregnant. <laughs> she probably yeah. is pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying when the th- you you gotta take some time off to do that when you when you play ball for a living. Like, you know. So she might be. Yeah. she pop up with a baby though. You heard it here first. I'm on my Skyview joint. I said it first. You heard it here first. <laughs> no. Shout out to Maya Moore and her endeavors, man, whatever she decides to do. She is an absolute baller and a beast on the court. Um, Casey Mack, 38, in the game time group, he said Richard Hamilton was the mid-range king. Now it's probably Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Hamilton was that dude for a minute. That was his thing. Westbrook, I'm thinking any mid-range conversations he may have been in, uh, this year's shooting is taking him out of all of them because his mid-range, his long range, like his long shot range, this season yeah. for some reason is poo-poo. And, I, and y'all yeah, know Russ is my man, but he, he that that running pull-up that used to be automatic, yo, he can't even make that right now. So, but yeah. that's another thing that, you know, he's an example of what we talked about earlier when I brought up like a Ben Simmons name. He's having a terrible shooting season Great, but, uh, great upside. As I said, but but he's gonna he's gonna produce in so many areas of the game. Like you, you still have to give does. him the props for being one of the top players in the league because that's what people that's what top players do. When something's not going well, even if it's over a long period of time, you contribute enough in other areas to you know to keep you in those conversations. I can't, but um, I can't give you the mid range king. From a shooting perspective, if all you have is one shot, unless that one shot is so automatic, it's just undeniable. Russ has one main thing that he does mid-range-wise, which is that pull-up from the from the elbow, pull-up from 12 yeah. to 15. It's nice, but the other guys – I don't think do it puts you in the King discussion. Yeah, that's not going to – CJ will wind you up and pull up. He'll come off a pin down mid range. Same with 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 your man all Sean. The, all the Rosen can do is pull up. <laughs> like, yeah, 
That's about but, it. Well, he got, he, a little back, he got a little back to the basket, turn around, fade away from watching uh, from watching the God. You know, he, he can do a little bit of that. But I don't – Oh, no. I, don't I remember you always gave him his props of how much he improved since he came in the league. He yo, came in the league. He was yo, just a gangbanger with hops. Yo, he wasn't better than – yo, DeMar DeRozan, skill-wise, he's not better than me when he came in the league. He just jumped high. Yo, dude was terrible. Yo, he was terrible. <laughs> now, oh, my God. He went to see the Wizards. He went to see the Wizards. You remember You remember his rookie season? Yo, he couldn't play yeah. basketball. He was just a dude. He, on the, oh, he should get the dunk basketball. contest. <laughs> he, like, he, he, can get, he should get in the dunk contest. He got hops. <laughs> All right, so during the Patriots parade, um, they interviewed – Robert Kraft, and this dude had on Meek Mill's iced-out championships chain. What up, Jimmy in the building? Um, is there is is there a relationship, you know, the Meek Mill, Robert Kraft, uh, Ruben? Is that relationship starting to get on y'all nerves or what? Is it getting a little yeah, too corny? Yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say this is funny because Meek, Meek has actually commented on it and is smart enough to know what's going on. I want to know. I want to see Meek Mill take a mature, pro-black stance on this, and not allow Robert Kraft to appropriate, use, and abuse that relationship. I, 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 I may, I may be asking too much. Robert Kraft said I'm he offered not- it to him. though. he ain't asked for it. So Meek, like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> here you go, Bo. Yeah. Jimmy, you think he right, let well, Philly down well, by letting dude hold that for his parade? Because well, there I go. Mill, as much yeah. as some of us, you know, didn't care for it, Meek <laughs> Mill was yeah. like, him and his song was like the catalyst for the Eagles in their Super Bowl yeah. run last season. Then he makes the championships album after that. Yeah, you, did he, did he yeah, let you Philly nicked, down? You, huh? I said all of that, and you, I said all of that, and you, nicked, you just mixed everything I just said. So obviously, yeah, no, no, he, he gave it to the boss. He called cool, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think that um he recognizes that it, it got a bit much because like, you know, if you follow his social media stuff, like you know, he goes through phases where he was with them, but he stopped posting it. Like he just he just you know what I mean? Like he he fell back from uh, you know, the first couple of days of the Super Bowl, he was you know putting his pictures up and all that, but he kind of like fell back and then got into something else. So I, I mean, he's also being managed by Rock Nation, so I think they know to do a little bit of that. You know what I'm saying? But not go too far right. into it where it gets to be real corny, like because doing that does but make Jimmy, him more of a pop star. Jimmy hasn't hasn't me come out and said like I know that if I was just Joe Joe Average, Robert Kraft wouldn't care about me or my cause no, he or what I'm it. trying. No, to... He said that. Yeah. He said that you know he's actually actually said that he said but that's part of why he feels like he should be doing what he's feels doing. Feels like he got to pay it forward. That. Yeah, yeah, pretty for much. For the people he that's not that. like him. He has said that. But what I'm saying is like the, the, the crazy part is I made a comment in our group we were laughing about it. I was like he's kind of like moving. He's doing everything that like Jay wanted Beans to do, but Beans didn't want mm-hmm. to stop shooting people and, and gambling and, and getting high. But <laughs> he's kind of like. But he got to get a body like every other month. <laughs> he's making he's making all the moves that like Jay wanted Beans to do, uh, you know. But yo, so I, you know what it is because Michael Rubin goes on you know public 
radio and all of that, and he tells people that the relationship between he and Meek is is genuine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Nothing that each other really wants from each other. So, I, you know, I think that's cool. You know, surround yourself no, too. with people that's going to help you better your situation, you know, be it financially or whatever. You know, why not have a couple of billionaire but I, friends? But I, but I, I think just think that, that the think exploitation that he... of it is starting to get a little, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah but it, like you said, he, he fell back from posting everything. Let the relationship be genuine. Because yeah, but that, but that's you know the thing though. Because that, the one thing the one thing I could say about his whole situation is, um, and I don't know who directly manages him, but he's managed very well. Even the situation where when when Drake like bodied him lyrically, like it didn't affect him like it would have affected other people because of the way he managed it. You know what I mean? Like he's being managed very well because he's still like somehow, um, he's got mainstream attention, but still is connected to the streets. And a lot of people can't do that, so he's being managed very well. Even in how like, I saw like this thing play out, <laughs> like being yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but the thing is, though, he, he couldn't he couldn't make that full transition. He seems to be doing it. Now at the same time, he Ooh, probably is able to make because none of, of the transition. But what I'm saying is, because of those mistakes, is probably why he's able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, so he's kind of mm-hmm. like. You know what I mean? Like, I saw what you did. No, I want. He, he I said that before too. Though. He's actually said that before too. Yeah, I wanted Dwight it. Grant to. I wanted Dwight Grant to win so much, but he is the personification of keeping it real going. Yeah. Dude is highly intelligent but at, with but the he's actually, I ain't doing shows at strip clubs. Before, he's actually said before that he grew up looking up to to Beans and in, in AI, and he saw all the mistakes they made and how they got themselves. So, you know what I mean? Sometimes he <laughs> yeah, 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 before trash, Here's one thing I know about, about growing up in the streets, right? I learned just as much from crackheads as I have from people with them. Oh, because yeah. sometimes they could sometimes they could Because you know what not to do. But and, some and people not, aren't calling... intelligent enough to look at mistakes and, and, and use it as a positive. Like, all right, that's what I shouldn't do. Some people are just so, <laughs> I don't know, some people are just so gullible They'll follow everything Listen, you do if you're one of their idols. But no, it's good. Yo, man. That's that. See, this is a case where it's good to have trash idols because because they, you know, it's good to have <laughs> because if you if you're smart enough to go the other way, and 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 for a minute he he didn't seem that way. I think sometimes something negative like doing a bid that you probably shouldn't have been doing, you know, that, that kind of stuff gets you straight. Listen, man, one of my old heads told me, one of my old heads told, told me when I was younger, man, he said, listen, man, a smart man learns from his own mistakes and a wise man learns from others' mistakes. And I never forget now, that was because he, you think about it. Was he one of too. your good old heads or he was one of your trash old heads? Well, he kind of was both, though. He he, he did. He did. <laughs> the <laughs> but, Yo, but that's the thing, though. That's real, though, because growing up where we grew up, most of our our old heads were like half good, half trash. Like, Listen, man, he went. He, he came out with an Arabic name and turned his life around. So he's my Muslim old head, but he he you know. But one of the things <laughs> he told me, man, he came out. Ah, so I know where he was. I mean, he went. He went away. He went away for a minute, man. Rest in rest in peace. Shout out rest to, peace to him, yeah. Yo, I got a lot of old heads that. I got a lot of trash old heads that gave me some of the best advice of my life, and they said it in trash hood ways because they weren't articulate <laughs> enough to say it in non-trash ways. But and it was from all, and it was all from their experiences and their mistakes. But some of that stuff is some of the most viable lessons that I've ever learned in my life. So shout out to my and trash old heads. 
So, but getting back to the point, though, I think that I think that he's managed very well. I don't like. I don't even. I know he's managed by Rock Nation, but I don't know who his direct manager is or whatever. But it, or maybe it's just the fact that he's smart, right? So he he he's handling it very well. But it seems at this point, Kraft is like reaching for attention and not him because he's not even. And even hey, with the whole he ran around with the necklace thing, on. That's that was a. Uh, even with the Michael Rubin thing, Michael Rubin went on TV Kraft like Coonan. basically professed his professed his love for him, and he didn't say anything about it. He just let it be. Yeah. All right, so, you know, shout out to Meek. Got the old billionaires rocking your chain. Got the hottest million, hottest billionaire in the game rocking my chain. <laughs> All right, yeah. um, Antonio Brown involved in a domestic dispute. I really want to say in this case that there's nothing to see here, but those people won't let me do that. Um, I yo, think the story goes something like, yo, but the, the he his – Baby's mother came to his house to pick up their daughter. She she came back to his door and started screaming about um, wanting to be reimbursed for um, her getting her hair done or something like that. And dude asked her to leave, and she stood at the door trying to get in, and he stood there. She tried to go up in his house. He pushed her with two hands. She allegedly fell on her back to the concrete, and then, you know, that's where all the complaints came from. Um, I mean, I you were hoping, trying to push up in that, the man's house. I was hoping that she slapped him for that hair he's been out here wearing. But um, With the blonde mustache? Yeah, he out of, he out of pocket. <laughs> he's way out of pocket. He He's way out of pocket. But, but um, you can't put your hands on a woman like that. And, and, and it sounds like she was drawn, but at the same time, just close the door and, and then you call the cops. Yeah, but even if, the way she was busting up in there, though, he closed the door and then hit her foot, and then she going to call the cops anyway. So yeah, well, he I, was kind of in a lose situation. Yeah, you are. You are. But, I mean, you know, that's why I like to listen, man, and to all the kids out there, everybody you lay down with, man, is that you, you basically, um, it's possible that you can, uh, you know, end up fathering children with him, so be careful. I yeah, know um, you got it. You got to be more responsible. <laughs> Delicious you know and nutritious. Um, <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike, Francesa, Mike Francesa from a, you know, famous ball from WFAN Sports Talk. Um, <laughs> he's in a little hot water this week because he told a caller um and I think the caller was saying they were arguing about the Patriots and Tom Brady, Tom Brady doing this with no talent and all that kind of stuff. So he told the caller that he's out of his cotton-picking mind. <laughs> now, we had a situation like this um, a few months ago when an OKC Thunder broadcaster got suspended, and then they didn't renew his, his contract after the season when he – uh, he said that uh, Russell Westbrook was out of his cotton-picking mind for something. Now, the times we live in, you know, because this, yeah. this has been this is a, a saying that goes way back. But, you know, when you think about where the origin of the saying probably came from, it gets a little, you know, it's viewed as being racially insensitive. Um, do you think Mike Francesa should, should get in any trouble for this? Oh, see, here's the thing, right? I don't know about trouble, but I do think that he needs to remove remove that from his vocab. And you know, yeah. sometimes I don't think it was we, malicious, like, and I don't usually yeah, give them the benefit of the doubt. Plus, he was talking to another like, white dude. 
Yeah, sometimes I sit back and think about um, – I understand a lot of people are like, well, you can't do anything or say anything, but you can't tell people, like, what to be offended by. You really can't. And right. the more you study history, the more you realize that as a progressive society, as time, time moves on, some of the things that are norm just aren't normal anymore. And you have right. to mature, and, and, and we have to mature as a people realize you can't say and do certain things. For instance, I'm reading, I'm reading a book right now. It's called uh, Blood Brothers. It's about Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali and um, their bond or whatever and how they met in that whole nine. Um, yeah, it's funny because I sent you like a couple screenshots about uh, from the book the other day, which was crazy. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, in the book, like you, in Ali's voice, he's talking about things, and he like he keeps calling like certain boxers sissies. And because I'm immature, yeah. I'm laughing every time I read it. But then I realize like this is the the '60s, and that was just how people talk. Right, like such and such no, and, and that's the thing. A lot of sayings, a lot of stuff that we probably grew up saying, like you just said it. It just it just flowed off the tongue. You weren't really trying to maliciously offend anybody. And then there's a lot of stuff where you don't even learn the origin of it until like 30 years later, and you don't even know yeah. that it's a, it's a problem. Like I'm like yeah. I swear to you, like. I heard, you know, oh, you out of your cotton picking mind. I heard that all my life back in, you know, back in the day when I was young, and I heard that from black people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and they yeah, probably yeah. didn't even realize when they were saying it how it, you know, you didn't even break it down. Like, wait, cotton picking? You know what because, I'm saying? They don't realize yeah, know, the origin and, and that's, of some and that's, stuff. That's very, that's very like just just plain, right? I mean, there's so many things we don't realize when people, when people beat their children, they don't realize where that comes from. But I mean, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. Not not to. Not to get too deep, but all I'm saying is that um, in reading that book, it made me think about that. As you said that, it's like certain certain vocabulary that he's using back then, and everybody laughed at and thought it was funny. Like if he, you couldn't get away with that in 2019, and sometimes people get upset with that because, you know, and this goes this goes to like uh, you know, a lot of pe a lot of people um, you know, don't mind to oppress people. Here's the thing about like oppressing people. <laughs> and Neil said in the chat room, Jim, she said, "What's the name of that book again?" It's called Blood Brothers. Um, on the cover is Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. I know there's a couple of books called Blood Brothers, but this is specifically about Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. They're on the cover. Uh, it's called Blood Brothers. And tell, hey, you, you know book, what we can't like do anymore, what our kids can't do, Jim? They can't okay. sit Indian style. Remember we used to sit Indian style? Yeah. Can't say that no more. See, now you got to sit. These- now you got to sit crisscross applesauce. <laughs> Yo, here's the crazy here's the, here's wow. the crazy. Like we didn't know we were saying anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. Just Here, trying to smoke the crazy part, right? And I know I bring this up often, but every time we get into a conversation, every time we get into a conversation like that, right? I think about the fact that, like, I, I'm, I, me myself, I'm trying to mature and trying to say the right things and not offend anybody. Because, you know, but here's what I get mad at. Every every time we have this conversation, why are the why is the Washington professional football team? Why is this not a bigger deal? Like the fact that it's not a big it just, it just right. like nobody no forces end. them to do anything. Like there's never been like why isn't it big everything that we get mad at and boycott and, and do things and, and make it a big issue, why is that not an issue? That bothers me. <laughs> that bothers me. Oh, oh man. Anyway. And t- Neil said we need a separate show. She, if she only knew how many times we plan to do that. <laughs> we have a show. We we were gonna do you know like a show about nothing, basically, you know whatever situations come up, we were just gonna talk about it. I don't know yeah, what's taking yeah. so long. We were also and and if you said that because of the the whole book thing, we were gonna have a show about that too. 
<laughs> yeah, we actually have a show called The Wrestling. We just got to get back yeah. to making episodes. We made one. We made one episode, which is about that. That show is about audio books. But um, we'll we'll get back at it. Um, we about to have our retreat soon, so we'll get back at it. But um, yeah. All right. So yeah, he. You know, I, I don't. I don't think it was anything malicious about it. Like I said, he was also even talking to a white dude. So whatever. But the Trump supporters are on Jamel Hill's. Head again. Shout out to Jamel, friend of the show. Um, of course, everything Jamel does, she tweets. <laughs> so during the uh, State of the Union address, you know, she was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter, and they were saying something. Um, wait, what did they tweet? Shout out he to, said, uh, uh, shout she to tweeted, I have to Brandon use Trump. this phrase many times in my Twitter history. She basically said somebody should have yelled because they were talking about what's the what's the 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 woman who was looking all sully at the joint and they made a big AOC. deal out of it. Yeah. AOC, Cortez. So they were talking about her and they were she was talking about how she should have jumped up and said, "Get your hand out my pocket." Now everybody who kind of kind of knows like that's the famous quote that's what was yelled out before Malcolm X was assassinated at the Audubon um, ballroom. So everybody just took that and was like, oh, she's trying to say that Trump should have been assassinated at the State of the Union. So they're taking it way farther than just the joke that she was trying to make, and they're trying to make it a serious thing. So now they're on Jamel Hill's head again. Um, Yo, real Jamel quick, better though, be I just, careful because wanna... they're going to roof her. Yeah. <laughs> like, Yo, Jamel just, better I, be careful. I just want to say – Couple things, man. First of all, shout out to the notorious AOC, um, Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez, because I don't like many politicians, but I love the way she pisses people off. So shout out to her, um, and shout out to Jesus who made the first comment about her, um, the brand is strong. And Jamel was retweeting him when she said that. And the crazy part is, like, right, that's if you spend what she time on Twitter, about, yeah, if you spend time on Twitter and black, black Twitter, black Twitter specifically. Like that's just normal. That that wasn't even nothing that, and I saw it, but I was like, oh, that's just that's regular. That's nothing. But of course, you know, like you said, she's all, she's on her scope. So, um, and it's also proof that you know when you become a um, because for all intents and purposes, she's an influencer, and when you become that, you really gotta watch what you say, um, because they they after you, dog. They are. Like I said, they're trying to roof Jamel, so she might. She need to just be careful. No doubt about it. All right, so that's what happened this week while you guys were on the grind. A couple of birthday shout-outs real quick. I uh, want to say happy birthday to Matthew Stafford, who turns 31 years old. Uh, Steve Nash, two-time NBA MVP Steve Nash. He turns 45 years old. Damn, Steve Nash, 45? Jawan Howard. <laughs> Jawan Howard is 46 years old. Um, Stanley Roberts turns 49 Shaq. years old. That's Stanley funny Shaq though Roberts. because you would think somebody named Stanley is a little older than 49 years old. But shout out to uh, all of these people on their birthdays. Happy My birthday! birthday. Yay! Shout out, shout out to Juwan Howard for always having the freshest cut in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And the freshest skizang in D.C. Um, Jalen <laughs> trying to come for that title, but. That's fake, though. Jalen got a hair transplant or something. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's Beijing. Jalen been bald ever since we known him, and then all of a sudden he got the shoppies. And yeah, I ain't Jalen. All right, but y'all can check out the website worldroomsports.com if you want to call in and speak with us about any of the wild stuff that happened during the NBA. This is last hours, the final hours of the NBA trade deadline. Dial the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline at three two three four one zero 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 one two. Press one when prompted. But if you're already listening from your phone, just press one if you want to holler. Uh, NBA rap. Let's get let's it. Talk about this thing of ours. I got to talk about this thing of ours, man. The NBA, and do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, yeah. professional, and most of all, affordable website solutions, go to Digital Extreme Technologies. You can find them at digitalextremetech.com or call them at 267-205-4203. If you want to get a special rate, say, yo, I heard it on the war room, and they will hook you up. Shout out to Digital Extreme Technologies for always supporting the war room. But it's time to so thing about it. Jimmy, you missed Yo, the beginning um, of the show, man. But we'll I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in when we get to that part. <laughs> Uh-oh. I mean, you know, if, if, if people want me to give my opinion of the Super Bowl, it was trash. It was boring. No, 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 no not that. Not that. It's, it's in, it's oh, in basketball. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well, you know, we'll <laughs> He's about to go anyway. in on the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just going to trash that. But anyway, Super Bowl um, was like a trash play- old head. <laughs> Yo, but they have no no good rap for us, no good gems though, no gems came from that. Yo, I was even disappointed in your man Tony Romo. He trashed too. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, um, that that one. Yeah, we he see the pressure got to him. Like like. like yes, Tony exactly Romo. what it was. Just like, just like Tony. Yo, it was, was like it was Romo. real. It was like usual like usual Tony Romo. The pressure got to him. Uh huh. Everybody fourth quarter. Everybody blew him up for the for the. Two weeks leading to the Super Bowl, and that broadcast was trash. Everything was the broadcast, the the, the halftime show, like that game had nothing going for it. Unless you're a fan of good defense, and I am, yeah. but I'm not even going to put but all I mean, of that yo, but on great defense. Some of it was sloppy offense. they was missing receivers by five yards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yo. and it's funny because y'all, everybody knows I haven't been watching football, but I said I'm gonna tune in for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, and I know we're supposed to be talking about basketball right now, but one of the reasons I turned about football because you know, you know, it's something something hit me last week, and I know it's very simple, but something hit me last week. Um, in the midst of like Colin Kaepernick being held down by everybody and all that's going on, I was sitting there thinking about something. Right? Um, I'm still not com- like back on my football jump, but at the same time, I realized that it's this is smoke and mirrors too. Like we're not even talking about the issues anymore. We're talking about whether to watch football or we're not. We're talking about whether to watch football because of Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And I I, I don't not know about why it just black me, people I'm, getting murked in the streets. Like, like Yeah, but it it, yeah. It, it it literally just hit me last week like we still not talking about the issues. They somehow they somehow hit us with the banana in the tailpipe. Um, you know, shot to Eddie Murphy. Um and Paul's that too. Mm-hmm. But they somehow hit us with that and we're now <laughs> discussing about Performances, whether we should watch football, and we're still not discussing the issue. <laughs> fuck, anyway, fuck Pepsi, <laughs> Pepsi trash. <laughs> yeah, we talk about boycotting sponsors and whether we gonna stop drinking Pepsi. I'm like, but hold on though. What about the issues? Like the, all the issues. Pepsi ain't hurt nobody somehow, though. Yo, they somehow got us again, dog. They they all yo, uh-huh. they always get anyway. Um, but the thing anyway, is, they got um, us and then left us to talk amongst ourselves, and now we're just doing it to ourselves. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. the, challenge, the challenge always, the challenge always becomes, 
the, the, the country and the situation we live in doesn't make us uncomfortable enough to really act, then you combine that with black people here are too forgiving to begin with, and there's so much stimuli coming our way with social media. Man, something happened on Monday. It's forgotten about by Thursday, and then Friday. Listen, man. Listen, man. No, but me, like, and I don't want to get into anything about this because, you know, we only got a few minutes left to talk about all this other crazy stuff, but like I said, like, it's gotten to the point where Jimmy said it's not even about the issues no more. It's really about black people versus black people judging each other over what they're watching and what they're not, like, what? If you watch football, you don't stand with cap, F you. That's what it's I don't know to. why it just I don't know why it just hit me, but it hit me this past like over the week it hit me. So I was just putting thought to it. But you know what I mean? Like but B Austin, to your point though, um Cap co opted his own movement. One of my old heads, he wasn't a trash old head. He wasn't a trash old head. He was a uh, FOI member, but he told me something one day, B Austin. It goes to your point. He said, Man, the problem is we don't want power, we just want to be treated nice. And the fact yeah. of the matter is, like as long as we treat a little bit nice in this country, as long as we treat a little bit nice, we're good. Shout out to Mr. Muhammad. Rest in peace. Um, anyway, on the other side of that, Jimmy, then you have white folks that will say, well, we're not stringing you up anymore, and you can have jobs. Who are you going to play there for? Listen, man. I know. He's yeah, thinking about it. So you're right. For you. Let Jimmy you know let, let's get into this thing about it. All right, one more thing. Dude. i got to say this. Be often said that Malcolm X addressed that deal in one of his speeches. He said, you can't stick a bleed in my back nine inches. No, because the still on my back. Bars. Shout out to Malcolm X. Bars. Anyway, real quick, um, <laughs> NBA players of the week. <laughs> Greek Freak Bars. and the Joker. Joking. Y'all yeah, feel like Greek Freak is a player of the week, like at least every other week. Yo. Jimmy, you know that all round, right? That was Bars. Greek Ooh, Freak that's is nice, the player bars. of the week, at least every other week. From yeah, I know. That just sounded like Beat like Street. Like He's <laughs> like a bi-weekly paycheck. You know, like a bi-weekly paycheck. All right, so Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks, 25.7 points per game, nine rebounds, six assists. The Bucks went 3-0 and this past week. They're the number one team in the East at the moment. Um, Nikola Jokic, the Joker, 22 points per game, 11.8 rebounds, eight assists, and a 4-0 week. Um, so shout-out to these two guys, Week 16 NBA Players of the week. Now we just got to turn the page and make sure they still play for those teams. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm, glad the finally get, I'm glad the Joker's finally getting his props because he's been balling and it's one of those things where there's nothing really flashy about it, but he's, he's he does it all. And I'm glad that he's finally getting acknowledged for, uh, you know, oh, doing what he does. So just, I got to turn on the TV. Ain't they doing the draft? LeBron and Giannis? Oh, yeah. Maybe if, if Brian show up, Brian might be like, I'm done with this, man. Like, I'm <laughs> he ain't playing ball no more. He's going to pull a Maya Moore. I'm out. Brian said, look, look, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we all going to die eventually. <laughs> Yo, yeah. I don't know who it was, but there was a player for, uh, for um, who was it? It was a player for, somebody just said that recently. Who said that? Um, oh, because we put it in the group chat. Or something. Yeah, it something was the Rams. It was one of the Rams. One of the Rams offensive linemen at the end of the bowl with an injury. He was so pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were like, you know, are yeah. you pissed about the game? He's like, look, at the end of the day, we all going to die eventually. So it is what it is. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> put, like, put everything in like perspective. F- you like F these games of amusement. 
show, man. Um, the biggest talk of the last couple of weeks, which is why it's kind of funny to me, like we bombarded with so much media, man. Like everybody's been talking about Anthony Davis and the Lakers in this whole situation, and now it looks like um, the Pelicans weren't even dealing in good faith; they were just playing games. And it also looks like that kind of ruined the Lakers' chemistry because they looked like they quit last night. Um, so it's a whole the situation sh- in L.A. Shills it beat out of there. Yeah, and, and then your man LeVar Ball got back in his bag and started letting his hands go again. He disrespected everybody on the Lakers, the coach. And the Pelicans. He said he wanted his sons to go to Phoenix, but then ranked all their team, ranked the teammates he would have if he did go. <laughs> like, he's burning bridges <laughs> he before you even get there. He's burning the front hey, of the bridge. Like, like you're supposed to go over the bridge before you burn it, at least. <laughs> So so it's all it's a mess it's a mess in LA. But funny thing is, if if you're a real leader, you can get your William Wallace speech on and and bring them all together based upon this. Look, I ain't got nothing to do with it. You throw the magic under the bus and let's come together and you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But that that whole Anthony Davis to the Lakers thing got crazy because, you know, like we talked about earlier uh, off the air, like everything gets leaked these days. So every little offer, every little thing they say in the meeting. Um, then you had uh, Clutch Sports doing their part. Um, there was a report earlier in the week that there's like three more teams that Anthony Davis would sign with long term. And they named like some silly teams like the Bucks, the Knicks. Like everybody knew that that was fake. They were just trying to push the yeah. negotiations along so that the Pelicans would go ahead and take first so that the Lakers would go ahead and make a decent offer. And then the Pelicans would, you know, be forced to take the offer. Um, the Pel- at one point, the Pelicans offered all of their young guns. There was like a Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Zubac, um, Caldwell Pope, two draft picks, uh, Rondo. <laughs> like they were l- literally at, uh, Lance mm-hmm. was in on one of them. They were going to give them the whole team besides LeBron and a couple other dudes. Um, some, and they turned that down. At that point, I think that's when people in the media started to realize that the Pelicans were really trolling the Lakers because they really had yeah. no intention of ever taking <laughs> this deal because that's a deal that you cannot turn down. But like here's what the sad part down. is, right? So so now the word is that there were people in the league that who realized that LeBron and Clutch and all them have pretty much been running amok and playing a game with the league. So the league is trying to get back a little bit of power. So there was actually rumors that people were telling Demps that if he made the deal, he would be fired. Don't make the deal under any circumstance. Popovich literally came out and admitted that he said, like, he ain't hide the fact that he was out there. Like, yeah, I said it. But um, the rumors are, like, even the commissioner, everybody in the back door is like, listen, man, like LeBron and his quote-unquote posse, is out here making a mockery of the league, so they want to get a little bit of power back. But what's interesting about it is, like, in doing that, you probably hurt the franchise anyway because you're not going to get a deal as good as what they were offered. Because yeah. if I'm, if I'm right. another team. Well, they think they team. think in the summer, by stretching it to the summer, they think they're going to get Boston involved. And everybody still think, you know, Beige Mamba is – the, a bigger prize than anybody that they were going to get from the other one. So they're thinking that they could end up with Jason Tatum in a deal with the Celtics in the summertime. So that's what they're Yeah, but here's the about. thing. But, Is Jason uh, Tatum better than Kuzma, Ball, Hart, 
You hear me, that's what I'm saying But, you know, this is how people are looking at it, man He's like the prize now I'm going to play ourselves Because I would have took that deal And and, and (laughs) for a guy who's saying that he doesn't want to go there Like, that's the other thing Like, you're going to trade him Tatum and he goes there And then what happens See, this this all goes back to Paul George Like, But is this starting to show you, Jimmy That they're not even as big on Tatum As everybody else is? Yeah, that's These are the people too. that that's see him every point. day. If they know that's that everybody too. else is jocking the dude, and then they like, you know, he ain't really that good. So let's get <laughs> <give> dude up. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Like, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take for that deal to go through and for Davis not to stay in Boston. Um, so I think there's a whole bigger thing at issue here because, like, because of LeBron and him creating, uh, you know, the banana boat boy, like, click throughout the entire league. It's going to be a fight between the players and the league in terms of control. So I want to see how this is going to play out, even with collective bargaining, because it's a whole other fight going on right here. Yeah, dudes is like, look, dudes is making so they're they're willing to give up sixty and eighty million dollars to go play where they want to play. It's like the owners felt like if we made it so you can make sixty to eighty million more, why would you ever leave? It's a way to control, and the players are like. I don't need that sixty to eighty million. I'd rather give that up. You're already paying two hundred million anyway. Well, so most of the time, that's Let me actually that's like that's why they're trying to force their way out long before their contract is up. Because if you can get with another team a year or a year and a half in front of your you contract being up. up, then they get then your you, bird then right, you then, then you can get that money. But they want to get the money. Yeah, they want to get the money in a place where they want to be instead of having to be forced to get it from somewhere they don't want to get it. Right. Yeah. Shaq said he so, wouldn't but, leave but, for that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, Shaq said forget championships. I just I just sit there and make put up numbers and get a whole bunch of money. But that also shows yeah. that, you know, that's why he talked he talked he tried to talk that talk though, like, you know, you gotta live up to the challenge. You gotta, you know, he, he tried to act like the championship Man, thing, Shaq he wasn't just throwing that out. Because the one, the Shaq, one thing you Shaq left, said was like you, like Shaq was one of the first people to make a surprising move away from his team. Yeah, he left Orlando for yeah, but even beyond that, Shaq is full of it. Because when Shaq, when they asked Shaq about like you know playing there and teaming up with people, he said honestly I would have did it. He said, but I just didn't know I could do it. You know what I mean? He, hmm. said, I, he said I don't want to so, play with so a So it depends guy. on the interview. Shaq is gonna say some different shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Shaq Whatever fits his narrative at the time. But that that that's that is who Shaq is. Right. Anyway. So well, this the the trade deadline is coming gone. Anthony Davis is still a Pelican. He says he's gonna play every game hard. Um, I know his uh agent wishes he would shut up. <laughs> Stop trying to be Mr. Yeah, that's nice like, Guy. So, that's so weird to me. Like if I'm a fan, I don't even wanna see him like would you yeah. like why why would I wanna see the Pelicans now when I know you're not gonna be there long time, you're not building anything. And I know I, you're not even interested. So you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Some it's like, fan, I was listening to a show yesterday, Jim, dude was like, when he come back, they should make him the sixth man. <laughs> Just to mess with him. Yo, it's, 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 like, <laughs> it's like being in a relationship with somebody. Y'all live together, and y'all y'all broke up, but y'all can't afford to, like, move into a different house or whatever, so y'all still got to see right. each other. <laughs> Even though y'all, like, it's, it's weird. They can move to the Mad weird. Yeah, <laughs> mad weird. But anyway, man, um... The Sixers uh, made a lot of noise this week um, in, in their trade with the Clippers. The Sixers are trying to build their own powerhouse over there in the Eastern Conference. Um, 
Uh, what did you think about this? This was shocking to me. I woke up and like the Sixers got Tobias Harris. Like, well, this is what I was talking about when we opened the show. The first thing in the chat room, Skyview had in giant letters like this was a stupid trade for the Sixers and Tobias huh? ain't really a power forward. And I, I, I don't know, man. Like he can explain it to you. He, he's still in the chat room, so hey, Skyview, man, he can you explain it to you. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, how, how is adding how is adding a, a guy that puts up twenty one and eight bad for your team? He said it's not enough balls. But I was trying to find that stat uh, that we had in the group chat the other the recently okay. where it was talking about his usage rate wasn't of a person that averages twenty and eight. They was comparing him to Clay Thompson because, you know, he's doing a lot of catch and shooting, he's doing a lot of stuff where he's not you know, hogging the ball where he doesn't need the ball in his hand that much. Yo, I love the trade. And the thing is, people are only talking about Tobias Harris. Like, they got better in a bunch of areas. Like, I explained to people, they like, Scott, I still they think the Boban. bench is better than it was the night before, and people were talking about the depth. They actually went and handled that, you know, with the trade with Orlando earlier today as well. But – Yo, Mike Scott is is better at Mike Scott is better what he at what they do than Mike Muscala was. Absolutely, um, Boban is you better than Boban. Amir Johnson. Tobias is better than everybody who's in the damn trade. So, like, I don't understand how you can look at this as a bad thing. I don't you understand got, either. See, here's my thing with NBA trades, and, and you can go throughout the history of NBA trades. About eighty-six point two percent of the time, Poma. Um, the team that gets the best player wins the trade. So the Sixers have the best player in the deal. So I don't see how that's a bad move. That makes no sense to me. The whole idea of it not being enough balls, that's just cliche. That's not real. People say that about mm-hmm. Golden State. Meanwhile, they won championship at the championship. It wasn't going to be enough balls for Kevin Durant and Steph Curry to get their shots off. It doesn't seem to bother them. Right. And, they're, and, they're, and that's they're the thing, and the Sixers run a similar system. The way Brett Brown runs his system, yeah. nobody's, uh, like, ball-stopping anyway. Like, you Jimmy, might get Jimmy, the ball to, your, to Embiid in the post, right. but he's not taking a million years to get into his move. They run a motion <laughs> system where, you know. When you, when you have multiple shooters, multiple scorers, you just increase the pace, and then you get more possessions and get more shots. Like, it, it's it's, I think that line of thinking is somewhat antiquated because we're still maybe seeing basketball through a 1990s lens where you're only talking about, you know, yeah, 80 possessions or something like that. This is not the Knicks in the heat, though. Right, and as I tried to explain to him, like, power forwards aren't what we are used to seeing as power forwards. As, as B. Austin says, like, power forwards are unpowerful forwards these days. Stretch like, forward is, is the thing that this dude is shooting forty percent from the from free throw from the three point line, and forty two percent of his shot attempts are from the three point line. This dude, we is just replaced. Gonna, uh, we just replaced Wilson Chandler with a way better Wilson Chandler. We placed pretty much replaced Mike Muscala with a better Mike Muscala, and we replaced Amir, even though he's still on the roster. We replaced his ass. <laughs> With a very productive per minute big, so I, I know, this trade was great for me. And then to so top it off and get trades. get Simmons from from Orlando to be the backup at Listen, the two, because that was I the only spot that was left untended. 
I can't express enough how impressed I am with what Elton Brand did in the six months. He did more in six months than I think Colangelo did in a couple of years because he flipped the whole Yo, Elton Brand. Oh. <clears throat> like Elton Brand is already a better GM than he is a, was a player already. Um, shout out to Skyview. He said <laughs> the dude on the Rams named Andrew Whitworth. At the end of the day, we're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, we all gonna die, man. Yo, that's my thing now. When somebody just asks you something, I don't really feel comfortable answering. Look, man, at the end of the day, we all gonna die, man. So, anyway, um, but Elton Brand has flipped their entire roster within a six month period. I'm so impressed with what he's done because Colangelo tried to ruin everything that uh, Hinky built. He tried, but he couldn't, and he put this team in a, in, a, in a good position moving forward, specifically within the Eastern Conference. Like they're right up there with every. They're already right up there with everything, and now they've gotten better. They've gotten better bench. Like, you can't say enough about what he's done. Um, and, you know, so salute to Elton Brand, man. He's the winner of this week to me. Yeah. Um, so what else What else happened at the Listen, trade well, deadline that interests you guys? Here's the one thing. The one thing I, yeah, i got to talk about this before we get out of here. Is what happened to your man Harrison Barnes. I'll be awesome. Did you, you see what happened to Harrison Barnes? No, I didn't see what happened right. to Harrison. I don't pay attention to Harrison Barnes. All right. Now, peep, peep, this story. Peep, peep this story real quick. So, Harrison Barnes was balling last night. He plays for the Dallas Mavericks, for those who don't know. He was in the game or whatever, got to the bench, um, and the squad straight traded him in the middle of the game. Why? <laughs> no. no, I find it funny. I think this shit funny. <laughs> he got it's traded like during the game. You got traded during the game. Why you out there? You know what I'm saying? Like we ain't gonna put you back in because when we put you back in, we don't want to mess up our product. But um, you know, he put him on the bench. Don't even put him back in and then trade. He got traded. I couldn't trade him while he was on the court, right? They had to wait till he got to the bench. No, I mean I think I the know. trade went down, and they probably had to get him out of the game once the trade went down. Um, so could you LeBron imagine? took could you exception imagine? to this, and um. I'm trying to find his tweet or his his people, post though, could from you imagine like going, to, going to sit on the bench and there's somebody like in the crowd behind you that the, the floor seats is like, yo, I'm I'm looking on Bleacher Report and uh you don't <laughs> play here no more. <laughs> <laughs> so LeBron yo, puts on IG. Off. He says, so let me guess, this is cool because they had to do what was best for the franchise, right? Traded this man while he was literally playing in the game and had zero idea. I'm not knocking who traded him because it's a business and you have to do what you feel what's best. But I just want this narrative to start to get real change. It says real slash change and not when a player wants to be traded or leaves a franchise that he's selfish, ungrateful player. But when they trade you, release, wave, cut, et cetera, et cetera, it's best for them. I'm okay with both, honestly. Truly I am. Just call a spade a spade. Brian kind of sound like he was double talking a little bit there. As here's well. my thing like, with that. I, I, say what you're going to say and stand by it. You know what I mean? Somebody I else wrote their tweet. No, but I don't disagree no, with him. But if somebody else wrote it, he should have let them say it. It just don't have to come from you. But I understand it coming from you means more. But right. just be quiet right now, man. Stay low and keep my, quiet, my, man. My thing about quality. what he's saying is like, I just know, you know, LeBron don't give two F's about Harrison Barnes. He used his situation. As a, as a chance to kind of defend himself and what people say about him. But my thing is, you've never done anything outside of the rules. And when you play 
you know, when your life is public like this, especially in sports, like, you got to be thick-skinned. Like, do you and not worry about what the fans say. Here's, you know what I'm saying? Because I always thing, look man. at these things from from two perspectives. From a business standpoint, it's great to see what LeBron has done and what he started with these guys kind of taking control of their own thing. From a competitive standpoint, I think they're a bunch of, you know, you know kitty cats. Here's my thing. But that's, I you know, LeBron I can, actually, I can compartmentalize that. He I wanted. think LeBron actually does actually does care about Harrison Barnes because Harrison Barnes helped him get his last championship. So I think <laughs> he, still feels, he, still, he still feels indebted to him for the for the championship that he helped him get. Um, <laughs> I so, gotta take care of my man Harrison. He took care of me. Yeah, man. He helped me get a championship, so I still think he, he feels like, indebted he to him. He played like Jared Goff care. in that series. <laughs> <laughs> he played like Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But with that being said, though, man, like you know, it's just with everything else going on, it just came off mad weird. And I'm not mad at it, man. Like it's to the point now when I watch LeBron, man, it's like it doesn't matter what he says or does. He can't do no, can't do right for half the people, and he can't do wrong for the other half of the people. So and I also he, heard he's him. Like, and Paul Pierce was also one of the people that said he has, you know, some sources that said, you know, they knew that they were working on a deal with Harrison Barnes prior to the game, and he said he wanted to play. So he knew that there was a chance that he was going to get um, traded. But, you know, I didn't even like Paul Pierce bringing that out because it makes it less funny. I, I liked it how it was. Like, yo, they just traded the ball in the middle of the game. <laughs> yo. That's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. But, I mean, listen, man, when you're a $40 million slave, man, when the master tell you that, look, I sold you to Master Reynolds down in Georgia, and you got to go. You know, it is what it is, man. You're a problem. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, um, shout out to uh, KC Mac. He said R.I.P. to Frank Robinson. We definitely got to get that in there before we leave, man. Frank Rest Robinson. Power to the God, man. The first player to win MVP in both leagues. Um, first black manager. First black manager in MLB, and definitely you know a Hall of Famer. Uh, he died at the age of of 83. But shout out to him. A wonderful life nice, lived, good, wonderful life. career. Rest in paradise to to, to Frank yeah, Robinson. I mean, and at and at the end of the day, we all gonna die eventually. But um, <laughs> last thing I gotta say before we get out of here, man. I just wanna, shout out. Shout I wanna, out to John Wall. I wanna send a shout to John Wall. Out of control. Oh, that's what you were John Wall making. John Wall making like forty mil just to like you know I mean go to L.A. Fitness. So just shout to out rupture to him. his Achilles twice. Yo, Yo he ruptured his Achilles. Achilles Making flatbread pizza in the crib Then while he was rehabbing his Achilles He slipped in the crib and ruptured it again Out for another year yeah. Yo, John Wall getting And he getting what, almost 40 next year? Yeah, 40 almost mil. 40 40? 40 million dollar per year slaves Damn. <laughs> Yo. Yo. And by the way Shout out to Otto Porter because I just saw what Otto Porter makes and I'm still in shock. But anyway, yeah, thank you, brothers, for doing this for another. Yo, Otto Porter makes twenty seven million dollars. He averages twelve and six. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, um, what a time to be alive! <laughs> what a time to be alive! Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the war room. Shout out to everybody in the chat room, Facebook, Twitter. Everybody uh, called in and got through. We appreciate it. those that couldn't get in. Uh, we apologize, but you know, time ran short. Tune in next week right here on the net. We catch you up on everything happening in the NBA season and everything else in the world of sports. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the start of your next week. We'll see you right back here next time. 
catch all of our conversations, everything we do, catch Facebook, Twitter, our blogs, our webcast. Everything is found at the hub, which is warroomsports.com. Also, pick up my book, Sports the Book, at sportsthebook.com or at the hub, warroomsports.com. Until the next time, don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in the war against ignorance, and we'll see you chumps on top. And go hug your trash over here. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.